Yeah, and I think that if you can see that someone's doing it tough, um, I, rem- I can remember the first time I ever asked someone, have you thought about hurting yourself? And I was very, very scared to ask the question. And what you do find, and I've, I've asked lots of people that question over the years now, people when they're in that headspace are very honest and they are waiting for someone to ask them. The Biological Farming Roundtable podcast helps farmers explore innovative, low input, regenerative and profitable farming systems. The Biological Farming Roundtable is sponsored by Nutrisoil, an award-winning biological liquid fertiliser made from a big worm farm. Nutrisoil's purpose is to empower farmers to produce life-enriching food. My name is Nicola Maddock. I work at Nutrisoil. I envisage a future where farmers are rewarded for producing nutrient-rich foods and consumers have this easily available to them. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Nicola Maddock and I'm your host for today. Today's topic is one that is very close to all of our hearts in the farming community, but often not spoken of, and it's mental health. I'm going to share with you all some very concerning statistics before I open up our co-hosts and guests for today. If anyone who is listening today is triggered, we'll be giving you some great resources uh, at the end of the podcast and also on the podcast website. So stay with us. The average suicide rate is in Australian farmers is almost 59% higher than the general population. Close to half of Aussie farmers, 45%, have had thoughts of self-harm or suicide. Close to a third, 30%, have actually attempted to harm themselves or take their own lives. Today we are here with Luke Harrington from Regen Farming, who is the actual instigator of this subject. Luke visits many farmers and sees firsthand the gap in help for farmers who are struggling with their mental health. And our guests today are Brad and Katie Collins, who farm near Wagga. Brad and Katie are chaplains with the Riverina Zone Rural Fire Service, assisting people with disaster recovery and pastoral care. Luke, you came to us with such strong conviction uh, that this needs to be discussed. Where's that drive come from? I suppose, uh, Nicola, it comes from my own personal experience. But um, a few years ago, like in 1819, when the drought was on, I, my job is to drive up farmers' driveways and talk to people. And one of the things in a drought that fear, that my greatest fear was to find one of my friends hanging in the shed because they were under so much pressure. And I can just see at the moment with interest rates where they're going, the suspected El Nino and no rain up north, things like that, we are heading back into a really stressful time for farmers and having a bit of a look around, there is just not someone for farmers to ring or there's not enough knowledge out there. So I thought it was really important that we did something. And uh, that's when I had a chat to Brad the other day and uh, that's where this has all come from. So, Brad and Katie, tell us about how you got involved with this space. Uh, I think for, for myself, um, we uh, have been rural fire service chaplains since 2009. Uh, and that's led to dealing with a lot of people generally are speaking at the hardest time in their lives. So that might be whether it's a fire or a, a, you know, an illness or mental health um, or you know, just the everyday of life that people come across that they're just, it does, doesn't always happen. So they don't really have uh, the ability to cope with it sometimes. So one of the things that we we do is that we come alongside people and just walk that journey out with them. So um, unfortunately for us, a lot of the time, that is a mental health journey that people are walking out, especially in rural communities. Um, so for myself, that's certainly been a passion of mine for a long time. Mm, I think for me too, it was when Brad became the Riverina Zone RFS chaplain, he had certain um, confidentially confidentiality obligations. And the way we work um, as a married couple um, and on our farm is we're very much a team. So for him to have something that I wasn't a part of was quite difficult for us. So I became technically the 
family um, support officer or Mrs. Chaplain, as they call me in the RFS. Um, and that really helped particularly Brad for his own mental health and his own ability to process the tough things that he was seeing um, in that, that role. Um, and I've also got a background in health, so as a qualified occupational therapist. So that was um, part of my role as an OT as well. You've given uh, some points that we can kind of discuss today here. Um, the first one is our own story. So who wants to open up that point? No, I'm happy enough to go first and I'll probably talk about stuff that I've probably never spoken about before, but uh, I think, and that's why it's just so important. So uh, I probably struggled 20 years um, with on and off with different things and um, I was just lucky enough for God to give me a, a horse, <laughs> a crazy horse, which taught me a lot. But um, I got to the point where I was thinking that the world would be better off without me my family would be better off without me, um, that I actually asked my wife on several occasions to up our life insurance. So just up our life insurance just in case something happened. And I think she knew that things weren't quite right and she wouldn't do it. Uh, so I had a loaded rifle and I was gonna do something. And anyway, I don't know why I didn't, but I didn't. I packed my guns up. I took them out to a mate's place. and said, here, hang on to these for me for the next however long. And, um, and then, yeah, I went through, as I said, I was lucky enough to have this horse and which enabled me to work through a process and get to a stage where I think I'm a, I'm a much stronger person now. And, but I, I can just see how easy it is to tip over the edge because I was so close to it. And the crazy thing is I'm married to the most amazing person on the earth. I've got fantastic kids. I've got a great job. I live in an amazing place, and if that can happen to me, how easy is it going to happen to someone who's struggling? So, mm. that's that's my story, and and that's what one of the things that drives me with my business is is regenerate farming soils, regenerate farming families, regenerate farming communities, and that's what it's all about for me, mm. and that's what my decisions are all about on farm as well. He's my brother and I've never heard that before. So thank you for sharing. And why didn't you call me? Oh, just a tough Aussie bloke. Yeah. But, uh, and that's the other thing. I didn't know where to go. There was no, like, there was no information out there at that stage. Mm. Uh, it's way better now, but still not good enough. Mm. Um, I mean, for me, I feel like uh, I'm a person that can crash easily but can come back again quite quickly but I've certainly done a number of self-help courses I've paid a lot of money uh, I'm always listening to a podcast I'm always reading a book I'm into spirituality uh, I've got a Christian background I've got good friends I, I know if I didn't do all of those things I would find this life very difficult and I, I can find you know life is beautiful but it can be difficult um, my father-in-law, Graham, uh, everyone who knows Nutrisol knows that Graham has a mental health condition and, and that has been for many, many years. Uh, and he's struggling to this day and uh, it's very hard on the family. It's, you look at that person and you think, it must be so hard not to be able to find happiness. Because I can find happiness again at a point. I know it's going to come, but there's that, point for some people that they actually can't see it. Mm. Um, so that's my experience. Yeah, I think for me, um, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. Uh, so uh, there was always love, but uh, there was also high levels of dysfunction. So uh, I had probably quite a complex teenage years. And uh, when we moved to Wagga from Sydney when I was 21, I did get very isolated. I didn't know anyone. I I was a city kid that landed on a farm and I, yeah, I stayed on that farm. Um, but it led me down a, a road of, um, yeah, I was very withdrawn, very quiet. I think uh, I did start playing uh, rugby with a local team in Wagga and um, that was a great outlet um, because I was able to build some community, but I was also very much self-medicating, like I was a very heavy drinker when I was younger. Mm. Um, so just self-medicating. Um, it, it did reach a crisis point for me where um, 
similar to Luke. I had a loaded firearm and I was ready to do it. But um, yeah, I think that something stopped me that day. And looking back, you know, that um, permanent uh, solution to a temporary problem, uh, you know, that was nearly, I was nearly a statistic. So, um, and just throughout my life, I'm, I, I've recognised that, um, I reckon it's about every seven years, I, I sort of go through another cycle um, where I'll get quite low. And these days I'm much better at picking up when I'm starting to go. And I've got steps and processes in place to help pick me back up. Um, yeah, my support people um, and community. Community is massive uh, for helping pick me back up. So um, we're very involved in our local church community. Um, so that's a really important touchstone for me to keep me uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah. Mm. So can I just touch on the community thing really quickly? Um, so this podcast is going like it, it could, it's probably not the something that everybody wants to listen to. Um, but we know that farmers really struggle and you're in that and, and we're unlucky in that way. But you guys are really lucky because you're in a community. We're, like we are a community, like the Nutrisoil Hub guys are community, um, RCS is a community, Vic No Tool, and we can all come together and help each other out. So I'd love you to stay to the end of the podcast because during this podcast there might be just one thing that's said that's going to help you, your mother, your father your wife or your child. So please, please hang about and, and just listen to what goes on today. Yeah. And I think for me, my personal experience has been very much aligned um, to Brad's being married to somebody who does go through that cycle every however long, um, learning to recognise the signs and symptoms and then learning how to take action, when to take action. And like Luke was saying before, where to find help when you know that you need it. Um, my own mental health journey, I think I'm pretty sure that I had a touch of postnatal depression um, with my first baby and that was never diagnosed, but I remember that being a really tough time. Um, and I did go and have some counselling um, for that at a later date. Um, but yeah, again, that was after I'd learnt how to recognise some signs and symptoms. Yeah, so it's it's a journey, I think, Nicola, across your lifespan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so do you have much experience, um, Brad and Katie, with people not recognising that others in the family have been affected and they can just get so focused on how they're feeling? Oh, absolutely. I think we all uh, can look deeply internally, can't we? And um, we can lose sight of what's out there. So whether that is, you know, um, you know Luke was saying that, you know, he had a wonderful wife and kids and, you know, everything was right. But still that when we look inward, sometimes we get in our own heads so much um, that we can't actually see um, the good. Um, so uh, I think that, um, what was your question again? Sorry. Just um, being aware that mental health, uh, we might be feeling it ourselves and we might be finding it really hard to get out of that situation. Mm. But to tool ourselves before we get into that situation because mm. of the absurd effect it can have sure. on everybody. Yeah. Yep. Um, so one of the things that I think is really important and it's something that both Katie and I really both focus on is that... Um, just continual learning. And part of our learning journey has been uh, learning about mental health and, and not just mental health, because um, I suppose when we mention mental health, it tends to have a bit of a negative context. Um, there's, a, there's shame associated with it, especially if you've had depression or anxiety or, you know, the, you know there's so many different variances of mental health. But you can actually have good mental health as well, can't you? Like you can actually have that positive you know, yeah. I've, I've got through this and I'm going to be okay. So it's about um, building up your toolbox with the right tools so that when you are feeling low or anxious or, or whatever it is that, that might be where you're at um, or just under pressure or stress, it's about having the tools available and recognising that, okay, this is where I am. There are some terrific self-assessment tools that you can use that will give you a guide as to where you're at. Um, just working out where you're at and being really honest with yourself 
is really important. And um, just having someone that you can trust that will hear you. Yeah. I think to listening to those people who are close to you, who have the bravery <clears throat> to maybe say to you, hey, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? I've noticed this behaviour or I've noticed, you know, you're not sleeping very well or you're getting snappy with the kids or, you know, you better be talking to the dog because if you're talking to me in the sheep yard like that, I'll be leaving. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so being able to take that on board and go, all right, just check in with myself. How am I feeling? Do I need to actually take that step back? If not for my sake, then for my family's sake. Mm. So this probably, I suppose, the one thing I'd say is, and I've unfortunately had the had to go to several suicide funerals, and all of those funerals, not one of them could be held in a church because there was too many people there, and and if you could see like in that short time um, that you're really struggling and you, and you do take your, do do something drastic like that and there's a thousand people turn up to your funeral, um, that just shows you that there's, there's people out, that, like the community does want to be with you. And um, if you could just see that and just understand that before you take such a drastic, drastic step, I think that's just so important to, to understand that those people there and for the thousand people that turned up, I'd love you to go and see the people before that happened, what happens, happens. Mm. So, and, and just build community, be a part of it. I think that's so important. We talk uh, about being in our heads, getting caught up in our heads. Um, how, do we, how do we deal with that? Uh, I mean, I, I probably have the skill to get out of my head and into my heart so that whatever happens, happens, and I can let, let that uh, um, you know, my life can flow like that. But in a very stressful situation, I don't believe that I could do that. So what are the tools that we need to get out of that head or to control those thoughts and use them in a positive? And I think the reality is we're, we're thinking, living, breathing human beings. So, um, and we spend a lot of time in our own head. And I actually think that, that, that women are a little bit more in their own head than blokes. Um, um, certainly using Katie and I as an example, um, I'm a much simpler creature. I'll be with you, Katie. Don't worry, I'm listening. <laughs> but um, Got you back. When, when you get in your own head, it's about having the ability to recognise that the, the self-talk that's going on in your head. So, you know, it could be um, if, if you're in financial stress, Look, I'm a failure. Yeah, the bank's going to do this. Um, you, you just keep catastrophizing. Uh, so a little thing can become a big thing, can become a bigger thing, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But the reality is actually nothing's changed. And, and probably communication. Uh, so let's just use financial stress. Having a conversation with your bank manager, you know what? They actually want you to succeed. So they really want to work with you in this. Or whether it's um, in a relationship setting with your, your spouse. You know, I think that having the ability to communicate effectively and being honest is absolutely critical to getting out of your own head and, and actually verbalising. Because mm. sometimes I can say some things to Katie when I finally, when she drags me kicking and screaming mm. to get it out of me. And... I, rec I can recognise that what I'm saying is actually just crap. Like, it's just not real. But yeah. in my own head, I've got there. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, just having someone that can be honest with you and you can be vulnerable with and very real with um, is such a powerful thing to get out of your head and get some perspective. Sometimes that might actually mean talking to someone outside of your normal circle um, who is not in your situation but... Uh, can listen and just reflect back to you what you're actually saying. So, you know, just that getting out of your head and actually speaking out what's in your head and having someone to listen and just help you process what's going on and, and reflect back what you're saying um, is really mm -hmm. powerful. 
That's where I see, this is where I see the shortfall in Australia, in agriculture. There's, I would love to see uh, a spot where a farmer is out seeding, he's had a rubbish day, he's in there by himself, oh. his brain's working overtime. He needs another farmer to talk to, mm. like to ring up and, and have a chat to. And that's something, that's where I see the shortfall. I've looked around, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that sort of thing about. And that's where I'd love to see something happen. And uh, we'll talk about that later, Brett. So <laughs> just so someone can ring up and have that understanding, another farmer talking to a farmer or another ag person talking to an ag person and understand the challenges that, that, that you're going through and be able to talk that through. and Because that's maybe all it takes. I think um, community and communication are the two most effective tools in dealing with uh, poor mental health uh, and actually getting you to a place of good mental health. Uh, I, I, I personally have a faith so I, I, I think that you know, for me that's my community is there. I also have a relationship with God so that's something that I turn to regularly as well but um, having the ability to pick up the phone or to drop in on a, a neighbour or whoever it might be is really profound and being able to say you know I've just had a really crap day and just wanted to bounce some ideas off you if that's okay. I don't think there's anyone here listening that wouldn't be available to have that conversation with someone. Mm. And even if it's not right then, you say, look, I'm really just really busy at the moment. Can I have a chat to you tomorrow or next week? Just giving someone space to be able to be real and you're not trying to solve anything for them. That's not what they're asking you for. Um, but they are asking just someone to listen. Mm. And that's such a powerful tool. Yeah. I think we also probably just need to note here that there are more medical options as well in terms of if somebody is in genuine need of uh, medication or counselling services, that that should happen as well, as well as the other communication and um, yeah. yeah, all the things that we've been talking about. But definitely taking away the, the stigma of going to the GP and saying, hey, I'm not feeling great. I don't think I'm thinking well at the moment. You know, somebody once explained it to me like, if you have a broken arm, you go to the doctor and you get your broken arm set. If you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, you go to the doctor and you address that chemical imbalance in your brain. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's no stigma attached to that. It shouldn't be that way. It just is something that that needs to be addressed. And at any given time, one in four of us is struggling with our mental health. Like it's just, it's amazing statistic. So by struggling with your mental health, it actually just means you're human. Like I think at different times in our life, all of us go through a time where we struggle. So having the ability just to recognize that this is actually normal. There's nothing abnormal about it. It's not where we want to live long term, but it's okay to struggle. It's okay to do it tough. And you know, if I go out to a like a critical critical incident, one of the first things I'll I'll do is say to the the people affected, look, hey, I think you should probably go and see your GP. Let's have a chat to them about your mental health, and we'll get you the help you need. Because I think that just acknowledging, like Katie was saying, there are so many options out there. And sometimes it can be just a few small things to get you to bounce back quick. Mm. Um, you talked about uh, it being something that you can learn to do and you can pick it up more quickly uh, if you ha have the tools and the education to do that. Um, so where can people go uh, to get those tools, do you think? Well, there's lots of different places you can do a mental health course, you could do a mental health first aid course, which is amazing. Um, you could look online, you could go to any of the many um, organisations like uh, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, um, TX. There's a lot of information out there if you Google it. Um, some, em some employers actually mandate that you go and do one of those courses. Um, there's a very, very simple one that the uh, Rural Fire Service has been rolling out um, in a couple of the districts that we know of called QPR. 
um, and that is question, persuade, refer. And it's a very, very basic, um, somebody is in mental distress, you learn how to ask those questions and not avoid the elephant in the room. And then you learn how to um, persuade them to stay well, to actually not do anything drastic as in a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And then you are able to refer them on to their local um, health services. Uh, a friend of ours who actually does the course, he said every time he does that one hour course, he's always got a couple of people hanging around at the end that want to have a chat. And in the couple of years he's been delivering the, the program, um, he's had multiple occasions where people have said, you saved my life. Um, I know when I first did my, the first time I did the mental health first aid course, I think I've done it four or five times now, but um, I'm a bit slow. <laughs> but uh, uh, the first time I did it, I was sitting there and they, they run through a list of criteria and I'm thinking, wow, that's me. <laughs> that's me. That's me. And just recognising that, um, you know, it's okay. Like we're all on our little mental health journeys and information is power. So just having more and more information and being comfortable enough to talk about it. I think we, we've mentioned shame, but shame's a big thing for the Aussie male. And just recognising signs and triggers. So like Katie mentioned, anger. Um, I don't know, maybe you're self-medicating. Maybe you're like, you're drinking to cope or, you know, using a bit of dope or, or whatever, or even harder drugs. Generally speaking, it's they're just trying to mask the, the, the signs and symptoms that are there. Um, so, you know, if you are finding you're drinking too much or, or, or you're self-medicating, uh, maybe it's time to actually uh, go and have a chat to someone because alcohol is a mood enhancer. So if you're down, you're going to be more down. Um, so there's better ways out there. Yeah. Sober in the country. Sober in the country. Yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah. very yep. supportive group. I just hear so many good things yeah. about that group and watch um, Sean, is it? Shana. Yeah, yeah. Shana's doing. Um, there is Lifeline. There is Men's Line. There's Beyond Blue. What if I feel like I'm not at that point? What if I think, oh, I don't want to waste people's time, but I'm hearing there's triggers. There's tr I, I, I know there's something wrong and I know I'm going down. Can I feel comfortable to call these numbers or is it just for crisis people? I think you can absolutely feel confident to call those numbers. Yep. Yep. I think if the choice is between catching something early and yep. being able to, you know, do a little bit of intervention, have a small chat, get some things in place or end up in the hospital or having a car crash or, you know, drinking to excess, definitely, definitely step in early, even if you're feeling, yeah, like it, it's, it's, it's never too early to jump on the phone and say, hey, can I have a chat? If you've got a good friend, as you said, Lifeline, Sober in the Country, Beyond Blue, TX, there's a lot of different services out there and they would much rather hear from you than hear about the consequences later. Yeah, yeah and I think that that's right. You just... Um, it's much easier to bounce back when you're only, you know, we don't want to have these big peaks and troughs. You can actually smooth it out. And that's what we're aiming for because we all have the ups and downs. It's about, I suppose, just trying to take out the extremes. Extreme ups are all right, but, um, yeah, the, the extreme lows are really hard to bounce out of. And for myself, that's my journey these days. Like I have my, my ups and downs, but it's about recognising when a down has started and for me and Katie, generally that just means we've got to have a conversation and we'll change a few things and you bounce straight back out. Um, but it's when you don't want to deal with it uh, and you just let that continue, that slide down, um, it's a lot harder to bounce back. So getting in early is, is a really excellent way of, of minimising it, um, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but I wonder why. Why are we made like this to have these ups and downs in life? You know, some days I am on top of the world and I can sing to the rooftops. And then other days uh, you, you just feel so down and you wonder, what, why have we been made like this? No one wants to answer that, do they? I, I reckon that... Higher um, pay grade than me. <laughs> I think um, 
I actually think there's there is some wiring things that have gone wrong over the years, and I think that this is just my own personal opinion. Uh, please don't take it as gospel, but um, there is intergenerational trauma. Um, we've had 150 years and probably more than that of uh, massive world wars and conflicts. Um, we now have a community that is more isolated than ever uh, through the use of mobile phones and technology. Um, farm sizes, have, for us, farm sizes have got a lot bigger, so our local communities have shrunk uh, and there's, we're, we're further apart. Um, we don't do the dances. We don't do all these things we used to do. Um, so I think that we're more and more isolated. Yeah. I think uh, social media is it's just, it's not social at all. Yeah. It's actually isolation. Yeah. Um, we've so never been more connected, but we've never been more, more isolated. isolated. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I do find technology helps me, the podcasts. I'm, I've always got a podcast in my ear. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's probably no, nowhere near as powerful as, as being in a really tight-knit community as we once were previously. But, yeah, technology still does have its ups, I think. And I think that there's... Yeah, Luke mentioned too before about, um, I actually think it's got to do with some of the food we're eating too. Oh, yes. Like I think, you know, Katie three and I. Three pieces of cake before you came in. Three I was pieces really of, worried about that. It was, home, it was homemade cake. <laughs> it was healthy. It was healthy cake. But um, yeah, so being isolated, but, you know, for us, it's healthy soils, healthy plants, healthy animals, healthy people. That's yeah. what we try and do on our farm. So um you know, what people are eating, I think, plays a part. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and we've the higher yeah. high the processed foods, the, you know, the and, poorer the outcomes. And I think there's some really good um, uh, indicators out there about the gut microbiome and the brain connection. Oh, yes. oh absolutely. And when we consume certain foods, our gut microbiome gets knocked around a fair bit and they, they're starting to call it the second brain. So, and there's a lot of um, stuff out there now that sort of says, yeah, those two are really connected. So um, I think that's something that we do have to watch watch yeah. for. And the overload of chemical in yeah. our gut microbiome. Mm. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that, like I think it's like anything, that it's about a balance, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, yes, try and eat as healthy as you can and do exercise and have community. It's not going to be one thing in isolation. It's actually a, a number of things that contribute to making us well. Um, and even when you do all those things, you're still going to go have your little peaks and troughs. You're just yeah. talking about a regenerative farming system, Brad. That's yeah. exactly what a regenerative... We're basically regeneratively farming ourselves with all of these tools. Well, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, it yeah. makes yeah. us more resilient, doesn't yeah. it? Because yeah. it's, resilience is one of those words that's become really popular lately. But really, that's what it's about. It's about building capacity within ourselves, within our bodies and our minds and, you know, our communities to be able to weather the extremes, isn't it? Um, we all have extremes, whether that's, uh, you know, grief, you know, someone dies suddenly and you know, you've got to process that grief and you've got to work through that grief. That's hard. Mm. It's, you know, if we don't love, we don't grieve. So whenever we're grieving, it's because we love. Um, and I think that having the ability to recognise and process and uh, whether it's a, you know, grief can be like, a really big trigger for people and not resolving grief and not processing grief can lead to some really significant consequences for people. So that's just one thing. Um, identity is huge. Mm. Um, how many people, how, how many farmers do we know that leave the farmer and then are, are dead within six or 12 months? Yeah. Um, fit, active people who lose their identity yeah. um, or even worse, well, not even worse, but um, if someone was to lose their farm for whatever reason, um, and they've always been a farmer, so lo that loss of identity for someone is critical. Yeah. Um, so try to have your identity in something that's not just job-related um, is really actually quite powerful. Um, one of the first questions we ask someone when we meet them, what do you do? Um, identity is so, we're so wrapped up in what we do, um, mm. but I actually think it's a really poor way of doing it. We we need to be more focused on who we are uh, rather than what we do. What we do is important, but it's who we are, I think, that really is critical. And identity is one of those things that um, we don't want to be too wrapped up in our own identity. 
Mm-hmm. So what are some of those things? So if if you're a farmer and you have no hobbies, you have no other interest and you find it hard to be interested in anything, you've gone and tried things, What, what are, where do they go from there? Because I've seen it. Mm. All they want to do is work. Yep. And you know that can crash. Well, so, I, I don't think can crash. It does crash. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a one-way ticket. And once again, it gets back to balance. Uh, if you are only working and only farming, I see it too, like uh, farmers who work so hard like this their work ethic's amazing but they don't see their wife their kids their marriages break down um it actually doesn't fix anything um certainly so uh, i think it gets back to balance it really does there's got to be balance we can't work all the time and we can't just be farmers um you know we need to be you know wives husbands i think 49% 49% of the rural workforce is, is female. So this is not just a bloke thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing for the ladies as well. Um, you know, our identity can't be just rooted in one thing. Um, so for me, my, I, my identity, I try to keep it in Christ because so, I'm a chaplain, but I'm also a father. I'm also a husband. I'm also, um, you know, a, a chaplain. I'm also, you know, I'm so many different things, um, but I try really hard to keep, my main thing, the main thing. And, you know, the other stuff is just sort of there. And, you know, look, if I wasn't farming tomorrow, I, it probably wouldn't affect me too much. Um, even though it's what I've been doing mostly for the last 30 years, um, it's not who I am. It's, I love it, I enjoy it, I'm passionate about it. But if I had to change for whatever reason, if I was injured or Katie got sick or whatever, I'm okay with that because it's not who I am. Um, in terms of how can people find other things to be interested in, I think that's a very personal decision that each individual has to look at for themselves, you know, and it may be sport, it may be art, it may be music, it may be a lot of different things. Community groups like CWA or, you know, Men's shed. Men's shed, yeah. There's, there's yeah. so many. Yeah. Motorcycles, I love motorcycles. Volunteer at Riding for Disabled. Oh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> or even just going and visiting the grandkids more. Totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just just going, well, I can I can serve here by by really nourishing these children. Mm. Yeah. And one of the things that, that, that Katie and I, we can get isolated, even though we know what we should be doing, we can still get quite isolated on the farm. And we're not that far out of Wagga, we're only half an hour out of Wagga, but we can still get isolated. Um, So we're quite deliberate about having people over. So just saying, okay, well, once a month, let's have someone over, even if it's someone you don't know super well, uh, just being deliberate in your actions to build relationships is critical. So, um, you know, it might be family, it might be friends, it might be someone, new who's moved to town and you know that they don't know anyone either. Yeah. Look, they may not be um, who you'd normally hang out with, but they're some of the coolest relationships you can have yeah. Yeah. because they're so different to you and you can, yeah, have a really unique relationship. Be so. curious, be yeah. interested. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some of my my good friends are the weirdest people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're not the weird one. Well, look, I may be the weird one and that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with yeah. being weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just being deliberate. So for us, like I said, that's one thing we do. Well, once a month, we really want to ensure that we're having someone over yeah. for a meal. It's self-directed. That was one of your points. Totally. Being deliberate, being self-directed. And I'll just speak about our mum for a second. She won't mind. Um, when our dad passed away, mum has been a nurse for a number of years and she's such a strong woman and she was in huge grief, but she made sure she went out of the house every day. She got involved in sports. She got involved in volunteer work. Um, otherwise, she knows she would not have survived. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I go to visit her three times a week and she's never there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that self-directed yeah. is something that we yeah. all need to take responsibility for. Yeah, and Brad's got a great idea and he's spoken about it several times. A day every couple of months... Go and help your neighbour. Yes. And then a couple of months later, it might be fencing or drenching or whatever it might be, and then a couple of months later they can come over and, and, and help you out with something and just, just to have someone there because we are isolated most of the time mm. on a farm. We've got a, a neighbour of ours and um, um, 
I love going over to his place. I always yeah. learn something. It might only be for an hour or two, and we'll just have a cuppa and a catch-up, um, or I pick his brains because he's much smarter than me. But um, I think being deliberate, um, we can get really isolated on the farm, and having a neighbour who maybe we don't know well, but spending, I don't know, a couple of hours or a half a day, I love getting on someone else's farm and, and sticky-beaking. Like and just having a look around, it's fascinating. Yeah. Even if it's oh, there's an old car there. What are you doing with that? Like I can collect old cars that don't work. Um, but just being deliberate about building community because uh, I've got pretty good relationships with our neighbours. And you know, I did have a farm accident there in 2015 where I was in a pretty bad way, and I was able to ring one of my neighbours who was knew where I was because he'd been on my farm. He was there in. 10 minutes and was able to do first aid for me. So just even simple things like that, yeah. um, it's important. So yeah, it's such a great way just to build some relationship is hang out with your neighbor. It doesn't need to be much, yeah. but it's yeah. just, yeah, build community again. Uh, thinking of the region community, um, there's RCS, Resource Consulting Services. Um, I think of Holistic Management, Brian Wahlberg, that community, uh, Vic Notill, a number of different communities where I see people get so much from, yeah. um, and then it might be just a course, but there's just there's ongoing things from it. Um, and like you mentioned, the NutriSoil Hub, uh, we get people together. Um, they're the types of communities that are available in agriculture, as well as if you're a Christian, you've got your your um, church community. Um, what other communities are around that you could get involved in? Oh, there's heaps, Nicola. Yeah. You know, the list is a mile long. Yeah. I mean, for us, we, we're, we're involved in the RCS community. We're involved in the NutriSoil Hub. We're involved in KLR Mastermind. Yeah. We're involved in um, holistic management. Yeah. Uh, we're involved in, you know, non-farming groups as well. And that just gives us a bit of a balance, like Brad was saying. Um, um, and I like, it, yeah, like to ride motorcycles. Yeah. So I'm in a motorcycle, a motorcycle group. group um, I obviously am not in a sporting group, but uh, <laughs> aspirationally, darts. Yeah. Yeah, darts. darts. Cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, yeah. There are so many community groups out there. And look, in our remu more remote communities, it generally is around the footy club or the netball club. Yeah. Or, um, and I think giving your time to someone else, whether that's in a volunteer capacity at a footy club or whatever it might be. Um, it is your time, but you actually get so much more back from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I know Katie and I have done a lot of volunteer work with the RFS over the last, you know, through droughts and fires and all that sort of thing. And we often get said, told, oh, it's amazing what you guys do. And it's like, actually, <laughs> we actually get so much more yeah. from service and that's probably how we're wired, but we get so much from helping people. Um, and I, I think most people do. You, you get that warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, and sometimes the simplest things can be the most profound things. And that can be just as, as simple as making someone a cup of tea and not speaking to them, yeah. just sit with them, you know, just being in their space and just being there. Um, and it, sometimes it might mean, yeah, I don't know, old Mrs. Smith down the road needs her gardens done because she can't do it anymore. Yeah. Just showing up with your lawnmower or whatever it is. But just giving, I think giving of your time, it gives purpose to your life. Yeah. And a lot of people do lack purpose. And if you just work and work and work, it's actually not purpose. It's it's quite debilitating. So yeah, look for what your purpose is and you know, find your tribe. We, we all, we're a tribal people and we were talking about the different groups. But just working out what, your tribe is it could be the footy club it could be whatever um you know the rfs is one we're obviously involved in but the rfs um is a terrific community they they call themselves a family um because of that the nature of the organization um, but there are so many different organizations out there to be involved yeah. with and they're all screaming out for people at the moment like yeah. i run our local riding for disabled we really struggle to get volunteers mm. but the volunteers we have go well, they, they get more out of it than, the, than oh, the riders do. Totally. And half the riders we can't talk to because they they don't talk back. And But they they do things like smile. Like we've got a girl that um, uh, two, three years ago 
couldn't sit up. She can now sit up for 40 minutes. And to be able to change someone's life like that is amazing. Like now they can take a shirt on and off without dragging her off on the bed. Like mm. she can actually sit up to do that. So to be able to get involved in something like that, and it, it will give you more than than uh, you'll ever give it for sure. Totally, yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting when you put it like that, Luke, to me that screams you're adding value to somebody else's life. Yeah. And I think that essentially is the most precious thing that you can do in this life is add yeah. value to people, to individuals. Yeah. And in you doing that takes the focus off what's going on in here, like we've spoken about getting out of our own heads. Yeah. So getting getting the focus off what's going on in our own heads and thinking how can I add value to somebody else's life and that in turn adds so much value into your life. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's just such a precious, yeah. precious it's thing. great to have someone so wise on our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's like just that one statement. Like I got tingles when you said that and it's yeah. so simple but we're wired to help people. We are yeah. so yeah. wired. We're not in the expectation that we're going to get something back but inevitably we do. But just that joy of helping someone. Yeah. It's yeah. such a powerful thing. And we can get in our own heads and think how tough it is. I've got this going, I've got this going on. Um, I tell you what, I'm a blessed man. I know that I'm a blessed man and I still get in my own head sometimes. The, yeah, well. the other side of that equation too is, which is something I learned when I had you know little children, is the ability to bless someone else by allowing them to help you. Mm, yeah. Oh, yes. And that that is a real skill yep. because we are so taught and it's ingrained in us that we need to be independent. But we don't. We don't need to be independent all the time. Yeah. And it is a blessing for us to allow others to help us, but it blesses them because they're adding value to our life. Mm. And in in the arena of mental wellness, that is such a beautiful exchange mm. and it's building each other up in, yeah. in a community yeah. and within a family. Yeah. Mm. And that building each other up, that is so important yeah. because it's something that our society seems to be lacking at the moment. We, we, we seem to be trying to drive everybody down yeah. and, divide. and divide, whereas we want to be built, bringing everybody up together um, and, and being a, like getting community back into society. What makes someone better than someone else? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, Zach Bush talks about othering. You know, we're comparing ourselves to other people. We are all miracles. We're all oh. amazing. <laughs> I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, if someone is down, you see the signs, uh, but they deny it, where to from there? What, what, what are the steps you take when you see someone's not coping, but they are denying it? I think for me... If I, if I can see that I, I think someone's struggling, um, one of the things that I try to do is I just keep following them up. So, you know, it, it is just that uh, you just keep showing up, mm -hmm. just keep showing up. And it might be a phone call once a week for two minutes. Hey, how are you going? I'm in your area or, or yeah. whatever it might be. How's your week been? How much rain did you get? We love to talk about weather. I don't know if you can hear the rain on the roof at the moment. <laughs> um, but just keep checking in and people will be more prepared to be vulnerable through relationship. Yeah. So the better the relationship is, generally speaking, the better the interaction will be. And it's about, sometimes it is about being vulnerable. Like I'm sure you noticed at the start of this podcast, we spoke about our own journeys. Um, and that's us being vulnerable to say, hey, it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to struggle. Um, and it's okay to be there now, but it's not where you have to stay. And it's about recognizing that. Yeah, but certainly if someone's, if you can recognize that someone is down, just keep on showing up. That's the best thing you can do. And I think you being in your well state and contacting them, they might not actually uh, look like they're receiving it with gratitude initially. Mm. It mm. might take three or four more phone calls. Yeah. Um, but when they come out of that downtime, 
they're going to say, you called me. You kept calling me. Thank exactly. You. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. you just it does don't mean know. something you just might not know at the yeah. time. Uh, the, the other thing that I would do in that situation is I would make sure that I had some skills that I could yes. call on. So if I noticed that, you know, my neighbour Joe, whoever Joe may be, was pretty down and I hadn't seen him out on the tractor for a few weeks, you know, I'd possibly, if I was worried, I would talk to somebody I knew who had some skills in that mental health space and I would say, what is, what is it that I can do? You know, what is it that I can do in this situation? Is it the phone call? Is it I'll just drop round, you know, depending on what your personal skills are, do you drop round with a cake? Yeah. You know, do you drop round with a, I don't know, a bag of seed or, you know, a plant or something? To... 20 litres of Nutrisaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what, what is it? someone here yeah. just for this, just for this reason. It's your mental uh, health. Yeah. And, and for your soil. <laughs> And if you see, yeah, soil yeah, if you do see someone who's struggling, be brave enough to oh, it's to tap. Bravery for us, yeah. isn't because it? that's really hard to ask to be, get, get involved. We we don't want to get involved in stuff, but mm. sometimes you just have to. Yeah, and I think that if you can see that someone's doing it tough, um, I rem I can remember the first time I ever asked someone, "Have you thought about hurting yourself?" And I was very very scared to ask the question, and. What you do find, and I've, I've asked lots of people that question over the years now, people when they're in that headspace are very honest and they are waiting for someone to ask them. Yeah. Um, so be brave to say, hey, I can see you low. Have you thought about hurting yourself? Because if you have, I want you to know that, that there's support there and I'm here. Um, and sometimes people just need permission to say, yeah, I've actually been really down um, and it's okay to ask that question and, and sometimes it's important that you ask that question but being open enough to say yeah I can see that you're struggling um, do you know what and if you get it wrong you get it wrong it doesn't matter um, because in the scheme of things at least you're checking in with them even if they say oh no no yeah I'm just having a bad day or whatever it is or yeah I've got this going on but I'm okay that's fine but you're checked in and if you think you need to ask the question again um, you've already done it once, so it's okay, you know, just be brave, it's okay. And just leaving those resources on the kitchen table because mm. they actually have to be self-directed themselves to call. Yeah. We can't make those phone calls for them, can no. we? No. Oh, look, sometimes if I come across someone who may be struggling with where they're at in their headspace, um, I will sit with them and I will dial the number. Would you like me to do this? I ask their permission. Okay. Yes, Brad. Okay, well, let's do it together. So sometimes it's okay to, to do that and just escalate them, yeah. you know, yeah. help them to reach out for help because sometimes people get paralysed and mm. won't move and yeah. sometimes um, they're so afraid of what they might get told they won't reach out uh, for help. So you do need to be a little bit brave sometimes. Yep, and even, um, even without the permission, sometimes you have to do it. I got a friend of mine, uh, he was on the phone to me and he was in Melbourne and I'm in Denny. There wasn't much I could do. So I rang Lifeline and they're all, they're all asking me, how do you feel about it? And I'm going, well, I don't care how I feel about it. I've got an issue going on here. So I ended up ringing the Mooney Ponds Police Station. Because and, he thought he was going to sell Yeah. So they went around and got him and he got, he did, he got put away for six months in, uh, until he was well. But like he, you wouldn't have given me permission to do that. Yeah. But he's still alive today. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah. And sometimes, um, it might mean that that person doesn't speak to you again. Yeah. And that's okay because they're alive. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you need to escalate. Yeah. And that's okay. Yes. Um, but I think getting back to sort of what we're talking about today, like yes, mental health is a big thing, um, but this is. Uh, we're preempting, I think, in some yep. ways, what we can see coming. So if it does get dry, Australia is a land of extremes, isn't it? So we've had three wet years. Odds are we've got to drive on on the way, and they're talking about it. So it's about building these things into our lives now, yep. just to make sure that when it does start to toughen up, you know, um, that we've got the, we've got our community there. We've got the things in place to help us cope. Yep. Um, 
you know, and that might mean you have the chat with the bank. It might mean you, you know, you make sure that your relationships with your spouse are good or your kids are good or, um, you know, you're in the footy club or it might mean, you know, whatever it might mean for you. Um, it's about building that, those things into your life now before you reach a crisis point. Yeah. And once again, the regenerative farming side of it, like in a good year, you build your natural capital. Mm. So when the tough ones come along, you, you're more Stay resilient. Ahead. You've got that chance of getting through so much easier. So it's the same thing. Absolutely. So, it's not a waste of time. We're all going to deal with grief. We all die. Yep, yep. yep. We all have people that die around us. Mm -hmm. yep. So we all, yeah, need to, to give ourselves these resources or tool ourselves up. Um, also for kids, there's some really good um, lines for kids. Uh, if there's stress at home and you think that you're coping with it, but you recognise that it might be affecting the family, there's kids lines. There's also um, headspace for 12 to 25 year olds. Mm. Uh, again, just telling them the service is there and, and they can use it if they want. Yeah. If you put got... that put that fridge magnet on the fridge. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yep. Make just sure you don't shut it, it down. If yep. they need to talk. You yeah. might not know it. Tell them it's okay. Yeah. It's okay yeah. if you need to ring that number, go for it. Yeah. yeah. And when you're dealing with someone that's that's quite unwell, um, particularly with their mental health, it's not just them. It's the whole family that yeah. is actually going on that mental health journey. Mm -hmm. So putting supports in place for kids, for you know the spouse, for you know other people that might be associated with with you if it's you. Um, that's just wise, isn't it? Uh, and building that capacity straight up. And I think too, um, like this conversation that we're having today, I suppose we're talking about it from our own points of view, but it really might not be about you at all. It might be someone that you love or you care for. Um, so keep your eyes open. Just yeah. keep checking in. That's community, isn't it? That's relationship. Yeah. It's just keep checking in. How are you going? Oh, I'm all right. Oh, really? I don't reckon you are. Yeah. Just, come on, just yeah. be honest. So... Yeah. Um, as an Australian male, <laughs> I've said I'm fine, <laughs> um, but probably haven't been. So sometimes you might have to ask the same question two or three yeah. times in a conversation before you get an honest response. Yeah. But it's okay to keep asking. Um, yeah. And anyone could be referred to a psychologist. You just need to go to your GP first. There's uh, six sessions that you actually get funded. <laughs> and if you talk to your GP, rural or remote people actually have some more additional telehealth services. Yeah. Which um, is a great service. Is yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, I know Beyond Blue's got a self-diagnostic tool. It's a quiz that you can take. Uh, and it's... It's going to give you a guide. So it's not set in concrete, but it's a really simple five-minute quiz that you can just tick a box and it's going to give you a rough idea of where you're at. Now, I think it's actually quite wise um, if you feel like you, you might be anxious or depressed or whatever it might be, um, just to get a guide. And sometimes you might be actually surprised with how where you might be at. You might be actually doing it tougher than you realise, but you've just got used to it. Um, yeah. So being a little bit brave and, yeah, you can even do it on the sly and just log on and do do the yep. test. But um, there are plenty of resources there. So let me encourage you to, to yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to encourage every agro, every stocking, every bank manager, everybody, go and do the Mental Health First Aid yep. course. Absolutely. And that would be an amazing way that you could help your neighbour, your wife, your children, whatever, community. your mm. community, um, because it'll just give you that knowledge and hopefully the knowledge will give you the bravery to do what you need to do when you need to do it, mm. because there will be a time when you'll need that knowledge. So, yeah, And we'll have that listed on the podcast yep. website as well. Um, I think in summary, and we couldn't all have a, a piece of summary if we like, but just the realisation that if you're involved in regenerative farming and all of these pieces of the puzzle have to be put together in balance, we have to regenerate ourselves as well because if we're not regenerating ourselves, we cannot regenerate our farm well. We can't regenerate our families and our communities. Yep. Mm. Um, any closing statements from our wise chaplains? <laughs> Um, just for me, thanks for having us and yeah, be brave and find a way to add value to someone else's life today. And I think for me, um, there's no shame in asking for help. 
Um, so if you've been brought up with that mindset, um, you're wrong. Um, it's okay to do it tough and it's okay to ask for help. And really, if you don't ask for help when you need it, um, that's the shame. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Brad and Katie. And thank you, Luke, for pulling us all together today. No worries. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Please follow the Biological Farming Roundtable podcast. Share it with your friends and networks. I'm Nicola Maddick and I work at Nutrisoil, a liquid biological fertiliser made from a big worm farm whose purpose is to empower farmers to produce life-enriching food.